First Kings chapter 2 verses 10 through 11. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Herbon. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place right. of my father David. Although I, I am only a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant, and your servant um, is in the midst of the people Kings whom you have chosen. Two, verses 10 and 11. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David and his rule was firmly established. And then from 1 Kings chapter three, if I can find it. God gives to Solomon the opportunity to ask for anything. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will, be, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, on this morning of all mornings, we need your presence with us. We ask that you be with us as we read and hear your word, your message, and may we find the joy therein. In your name we pray. Amen. So, what a morning, man. This uh, has been real, real fun with all the technical challenges. So, um, and those of you, you're here in person, so you don't really see maybe all the chat that's going on the Facebook, like, I can't hear, what's going on? Um, so I'm really sad that for our online congregation, we're unable to be there today. But what a joy that in this day and age, we're able to connect with people in this room, and far beyond in an extended sanctuary. 
So do you remember the story, the Bible story about the two women who are fighting over a baby? Both are saying that they are the mother of this child. And the wise King Solomon declares, bring me a sword, I shall cut the baby in half. And one of the women says, okay, that's fine. And the other woman says, wait, no, fine, give the baby to her, but do not kill him. And thus wise Solomon wisely deduced that the second woman was the true mother of the child. This is found in thir thir First Kings chapter 3, just a little bit later from what I read you. And I remember hearing this story as a little girl and thinking, well, yeah, of course. The true mom isn't gonna want her baby all chopped up, but if you wanna call that Solomon's wisdom, go right ahead. That was my, my little girl thought, right? But King Solomon, wise old King Solomon, was known and revered for his great wisdom. This story being only one example of this deep, amazing gift that God gives him, the gift of a discerning heart, the gift of wisdom. So we are, my friends, at the end of a many weeks long sermon series, if you've been with us over the last, I don't know, nine weeks or something like that. As we have been talking about David and the people of Israel and this kind of overarching story of Israel demanding to God that God give them a king. And after the first failed attempt with Saul, finally anoints this young shepherd boy, David. Even though he is lowly in state, he's not very, you know, doesn't have a lot of, of clout in society. But this kid, God says, he's the one. And we've heard through the sermon series how David, although scriptures say that he was a man after God's own heart, David bumbles through life. Winning through cunning and trickery, loving fiercely, claiming power, making gigantic mistakes. And despite his many character flaws, becomes the most beloved king in all of Israel's history. And then David dies. And it's kind of a sad ending because we remember last week we talked about Absalom and how he died and many terrible things happened to some of David's family and for generations and generations. But he did have one son who was already very wise, his son with Bathsheba, you remember that story from a few weeks ago, Solomon. And Solomon becomes king after David. It's in a dream that God offers Solomon anything he could ever want, that God will bestow upon him a gift because David had been so favored in God's eyes. God wants to bestow something upon Solomon that will help him as 
a king. And we hear in the scriptures that Solomon could have asked for a long life or wealth or unlimited power or death of his enemies. And yet instead, Solomon asks for a discerning heart, wisdom. God is so pleased with this request that God bestows wisdom upon Solomon. Now, Solomon is attributed to be the author of most of the wisdom literature we find in the Bible, like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You know, those books that give us these like little bits of wisdom. It's said that he would just kind of spout off these wise, pithy sayings. There's another book called The Wisdom of Solomon that actually didn't make it into our Protestant canonical Bible, but that is in the Apocrypha, called The Wisdom of Solomon, or simply Wisdom. And in this book, Solomon refers to wisdom as feminine, often named Sophia, which is ancient Greek for wisdom and sound judgment. In the wisdom of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 22 through 27, wisdom is the fashioner and the mother of all good things. And verses 22 to 23, wisdom is a spirit that is intelligent, holy, unique, manifold, subtle, mobile, clear, unpolluted, distinct, invulnerable, loving the good, keen, irresistible, beneficent, humane, steadfast, sure, free from anxiety, all-powerful, overseeing all, and penetrating through all. Sophia, or wisdom then, is a divine feminine, offering aspects of God that are nurturing, loving, and wise. I was reading a HuffPost interview with one of my favorite scholars and authors named Elaine Pagels. Um, She writes a book that I read in seminary called The Origins of Satan, so that's a good one. You should look that up. Um, But in this HuffPost article, she's talking about the divine feminine, and she shares this. 11th century abbess and Christian mystic Hildegard of Bingen revered Sophia and described her as the encompassing energy of God. In a prayer to Sophia, Hildegard wrote, You of the whirling wings, circling, encompassing energy of God, you quicken the world in your clasp. One wing soars in heaven, one wing sweeps the earth, and the third flies all around us. Praise to Sophia. Let all earth praise her. With one wing on heaven and one on earth, Hildegard writes that Sophia quickens the world. In Old English, the word quicken referred to giving life and coming into life. Thus, Hildegard suggests that the world comes alive through Sophia. I've got to say, 
as a woman. This characterization of wisdom as feminine legitimizes my own voice in a world that often still seeks to silence women or diminish their own words, wisdom, and experiences. I think we saw this pretty clearly this last week as Simone Biles withdrew her um, withdrew from the Tokyo Olympics. I haven't even been watching the Olympics, but definitely heard about this. She was heavily and still is heavily criticized for it. And yet she knows herself. And so she made a decision. A quote that I read in an article by Nicole Lynn Pesky says this. I'm not sure who wrote, said the quote, but it was in this article. We are talking about the same girl who was molested by her team doctor throughout her entire childhood and teen years, won the world all-around championship title while passing a kidney stone, put her body through an extra year of training through the pandemic, added so much difficulty to her routines that the judges literally do not know how to properly rate her skills because they are so ahead of her time. All of this while maintaining her responsibilities to her endorsement deals, the media, personal relationships, etc. And some people can still honestly say Simone Biles is soft. She's a quitter. I don't know about you, but I was thinking, man, it takes a lot of strength, a lot of self-awareness, and about a ton of courage to identify your own boundaries and prioritize your own well-being and wholeness above others' expectations of you, especially those of an entire country or industry. I don't know if I would have had that kind of wisdom. Maybe that's what wisdom is. The ability to be in touch with your gut, your intuition, your center, even when all around you clamors for something different. So I went back and I, I read as many translations as I could find of the first Kings chapter 3 story about those two women arguing over the baby. You know, it's really interesting because there are these um, kind of property clauses and laws in ancient Judaism that said if there are arguments over things like this, and yes, children were identified as things, um, that division of assets is very appropriate. And so it wouldn't be beyond the realm of understanding, at least in that time, to say, yeah, actually half the baby would be appropriate via the law. But as I looked at all of the different iterations, the different translations of this particular verse, every time Solomon's conclusion is simply, she is his mother, or she is the mother. It makes me wonder then if this wasn't just a matter of a way before its time scientific genetic insight that one woman was the birth mother over another, but an understanding that whether or not the second woman was the birth mother or not, she was the one who would nurture and look out for the wholeness 
and wellness of this baby. Thomas Merton, mystic monk and author, wrote this about divine wisdom. She is in all things, like the air receiving sunlight. In her they prosper, in her they glorify God. She is the love that unites them. She is life as communion, life as thanksgiving, life as praise, life as festival, life as glory. So maybe that's what wisdom is. Life flourishing for all creation, for the glory of God. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this morning. Amen.